May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So, our text today is the Holy Gospel, the story of Jesus teaching in the synagogue and rebuking the unclean spirit and the people's reaction to what he was doing. They rightly saw this, and that they rightly saw that this was a new teaching with authority. So Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching, our text says. We sometimes forget that Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. During his ministry, he would travel around to various places and teach. And one place where he regularly went was to the synagogue. While the temple in Jerusalem was a place for the nation as a whole to worship, and all, in, all the Jews in Jerusalem would be there, several times a year, also from all around the surrounding areas, the synagogue was the local place of worship, right in their own town. And the Jews would go there every week on the Sabbath. They went to the synagogue to hear the word of God. They would sing psalms, hear readings from the scriptures, and listen to the rabbi expound on or explain some point from the law or the prophets. And that is why we find Jesus in the synagogue in Capernaum on the Sabbath teaching. But there was something different about this man and his teaching. It says the people were astonished at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. The astonishing thing about the teaching of this rabbi, the, the thing that was so difficult from what, different, excuse me, from what they were used to was, in a word, his authority. Jesus taught them as one who had authority. What kind of authority is this? What does his, where does his authority come from? Well, it's a divine authority, coming from God himself. Remember what the Father said to Jesus at his baptism. You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Father was affirming Jesus' authority to speak and act as God himself, for Jesus is God, in the person of the Son, begotten of the Father, come to do his Father's will. He is the very image of God. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, as we just confessed. When Jesus speaks, he speaks with authority because his words are spirit-filled, life-giving, powerful, effective, creative words of God. His words do what they say. When Jesus says, come and follow me, the person he's speaking to drops everything, gets up and follows him. Jesus speaks and acts with divine authority. In the Old Testament reading for today from Deuteronomy 18, God said that he would raise up a great prophet from among the people of Israel. The Lord said, I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Now that great prophet is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come in the flesh. It is to him you shall listen. For Jesus knows the will of the Father perfectly. And he came down from heaven to proclaim it and to teach it, indeed to do it to do his Father's will, to carry it out, to bring the will of God to fulfillment. And what was the content of Jesus' preaching and teaching? Well, Jesus summed it up like this. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You remember from last week's gospel lesson, we heard that. Only a few verses before our text from today, he spoke it clearly 
calling people to turn from their way of sin, which leads to death, and to be made alive by the good news of forgiveness and salvation. That was and still is the teaching of Jesus. That's what he is speaking to you today, to repent from your self-chosen ways and to receive the life that he gives. The voice of authority, that authoritative teaching, was what astonished the people in the synagogues in Capernaum. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. So what Jesus was teaching was new to them. And it came with authority. Those people in the synagogue were used to the teachings of the scribes. Their their scribes, their religious experts, taught that if you follow a certain code of behavior, if you do certain things, then God will be pleased with you and you will earn his favor. So there came to be a focus on particular points of the law and how you keep them. Not really even God's law. It was actually their own man-made additions to the law that they emphasized in in a vain hope of defining the law of God so well that you wouldn't be able to break it. Kind of like a very detailed instruction book. All sorts of little regulations that they came up with because they thought that the law was something they could master. How many steps can I take on the Sabbath before it's considered work? How many tassels should I have on my prayer shawl before it becomes too ornate? The scribes and the Pharisees define the righteous life by this kind of external, manageable behavior, all the while completely ignoring the deep-rooted pride and hypocrisy within their hearts. The force had moved, focus had moved away from the Lord God speaking to them and saving them and had moved instead towards a God who watched what you were doing to make sure you did the right thing. He went from heavenly father to big brother. And if you tried hard enough and looked good enough on the outside, you could make it. Maybe we shouldn't be so hard on these scribes because if we're honest with ourselves, we do the same thing. We think that we're basically pretty good people, right? That God must be pleased with us. I try my best. Well, Maybe not all the time, but at least I'm better than that guy down the street or those bad people on TV. I'm sure God is pleased with me, and if not, well, I'll just go to another church that says he is. That, unfortunately, is the attitude of the world around us, and it seeps into us. In fact, it comes rather naturally to every one of us. I'm a good person. God must like me. I do enough, and I'm good enough to please him. That, in essence, is a religion of works, a religion of the law. And that's not that much different from the teachings of the scribes and Pharisees of Jesus' day. But it's not God's will. This is not what he wants for us as his children. A religion of law, a religion that focuses on your goodness, will do one of two things. It will either puff you up with pride or drive you to despair. On one hand, you may become proud, thinking that you are a good enough person who deserves God's favor. And on the other hand, if you're honest with yourself and you realize that you cannot keep the commands of God's law, that you're just not good enough, then you'll be driven to despair, losing hope that God could ever love a rotten sinner like you. And your adversary, Satan, well, he knows all that. The devil will try to keep you focused on yourself. 
either to take pride in how good a person you are or get stuck on what a failure you are. Anything to keep your eyes off of Jesus and on yourself. If religion in your eyes is about keeping the law, about you being good enough, then it's no longer about God saving you through Christ. It's about you saving yourself despite him. And when the focus is off of what Christ has done and instead is on what you do, then you're left with a terrible nagging question. Have you done enough? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? There's no certainty in that way of life, only doubt. The simple answer to that question, all those questions actually, is no. You have not been good enough. You can never do enough. You are a sinner, lost on your own, in spite of what the world teaches. The teaching of the scribes, of a manageable law that you can master, the teaching of the world today that if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. These are not the authoritative teachings that Christ brings. No, he brings a new teaching with actual authority, a foreign teaching to what the world says is good and right. The astonishing thing about Jesus' teaching was that he broke through the fog that the scribes had created, and he spoke with the bright, clear beam of heavenly light. He spoke straight from God with a voice that that penetrated the hearts of the listeners. Can you hear him today? He's speaking to you as well. Get over yourself. Stop pretending and playing games. You can't save yourself. Only God can save you. It doesn't matter how much you give to charity. It doesn't matter how much you fight for the rights of minorities and oppressed. It doesn't matter if you think love is all that matters and nothing and no one has the right to tell you how to live your life. You are wrong. Admit it. Look to God and see the truth. The truth of how he made you. Why he made you to be you. Receive the forgiveness I bought for you with my blood on the cross, he says. And with that forgiveness, I am giving you the spirit and the strength to live as a Christian, not as a man or woman of your times, drifting with the currents of popular opinion and majority votes, but as a timeless child of God. Rely on me day by day. Jesus astonishes us with his straight-from-heaven, straight-to-the-heart teaching. And that's how he astonishes the people in the synagogue back in his day, with his authority. And then, as if to demonstrate the authority of his teaching, Jesus had an encounter with a man with an unclean spirit. This unclean spirit that had come into the poor man cries out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. This demon knows who Jesus is. He knows and laughs? No. He knows and he's afraid. Because the demon thinks that Jesus has come to destroy him. Because Jesus has the authority to do that. And the demon knows this. And like all things hiding in the darkness, it can't help but be revealed in the light. The demon didn't have to say anything. He was an accepted member of the synagogue, sitting there with all the others. Why did he stand up and speak? Because the Lord had authority, and he was there. His light shone and revealed the hiding things in the darkness, and the demon couldn't help but reveal himself. 
And that demon was right to be afraid. Jesus did come to destroy the works of the devil. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, God had promised that an offspring of Eve would bruise Satan's head, even though Satan would only bruise his heel. Of course, God was talking about Jesus, born the Virgin Mary, Jesus, who would destroy Satan at the cost of his own life. And now, here was a demon, an agent of Satan, afflicting a child of God, and so Jesus rebukes the demon and commands him, be silent and come out of him. Hear the authority in his voice. Amazing authority, so much authority that the demon had no choice but to come out of the man. Though while leaving, he shrieked and shook, fighting all the way, Jesus' words are powerful and effective. They do what they say. They reach the target and accomplish their purpose. The Holy One of God came down to earth for this purpose and this purpose alone, our salvation. Christ came to, to bruise Satan's head and to redeem us, to rescue us and set us free, free from the snares and assaults of the devil. Jesus, by his sin-atoning death on the cross and by his life-bestowing resurrection from the dead, Christ Jesus won the victory for you, you who realize your own helplessness. It is victory over sin, over Satan, over death, and over all the demons of hell. And he delivers this victory to you by his word, the very word you're hearing right now, a new teaching with authority. Christ Jesus speaks and acts with astonishing, amazing authority. Jesus doesn't give you the same old thing, the empty works religion of the scribes or the the good enough religion of the culture of our time, a teaching that can only lead you to either pride or despair. In other words, straight to hell. No, this is a new teaching with authority. Jesus speaks straight from God and straight to your heart. And his words do what they say. They lift you up to heaven. Jesus speaks the forgiveness of sins right into your ears. And it is so. He speaks his word to the pastor announcing forgiveness to the repentant in the stead and by his command. He speaks his word with the water. And it is a baptism that is a life-giving water, rich in grace. He speaks his word with bread and wine. And it is the blessed sacrament of his body and blood given you, giving you forgiveness, life, and salvation. Jesus speaks. Demons flee. Jesus speaks. And we are free. Truly, this is a new teaching with authority. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please rise for prayer.